A reading from John 17, 1-3. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So I, what I'm about to say, Nathan, you actually uh, have probably done a lot of thinking on it and or, or preaching on it, and I just want you to respond. So this passage in John 17, and this is the uh, beginning of the High Holy Prayer. Uh, it mm-hmm. goes throughout the entire uh, uh, 17th chapter of John. Yep. But he says, uh, Father, the hour has come. And the reason I think that is so kind of like, wow, is because back in the second chapter, you have the marriage at Cana. And there's the problem with the water and the wine. And uh, and Jesus's mother, Mary, Mm -hmm. says, you know, go help them out. And he says, There, and I'm just doing this from memory. My time has not yet come, or my Mm -hmm. time has not yet arrived. The reason I bring this up is that phrase keeps reoccurring throughout the Gospel of John, maybe three or four or five times in various places. My time has not yet come. And then when he reaches uh, Jerusalem for the third and last time, he says uh, in a different place the same thing. The hour has come. And I just would love to turn to you, Nathan, and say there's something about knowing uh, when the hour has come and knowing when the time has not come that is very, very important here, especially mm-hmm. in Jesus' relationship to God the Father. And I just, any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? With yeah, that, I have right two here. thoughts that come to mind. One is, I learned this phrase, I think maybe in undergrad, the fullness of time, the fullness of time theory of, you know, biblical theology. And what I remember about that concept is that, you know, Jesus was, came into the world at a particular time, a very strategic time. It involved, you know, is the formation of Israel, obviously, uh, but also the empire, the Roman Empire being right next door. And so when the gospel starts spreading, it explodes over the entire world so that basically all civilizations thereafter have a chance to have open communication channels and hear the gospel, too. That's part of the fullness of time theory. Uh, so he, Jesus seems to be keenly aware of the timing of it all, even on a micro level, you know, the the uh, couple of years between that statement to his mother, it's not yet time. And now this time the hour has come. So that's, that's going on in my mind, the fullness of time. But also the second thing that's, that I'm thinking about is, you know, he does talk a lot about the timing and there's a little bit of a surprise there because we're kind of obsessed with what time it is. Now it's on our iPhones, on our watches, some clocks on the wall. Because of time zones, I was recently reading something that like when time zones were developed across countries, all of mm-hmm. a sudden everybody had to know what time it was more. And, and when inter- or when um, airplane travel and train travel 
car travel was proliferating, you really got to know what time it is, especially you got to be there on time for the train. But in the ancient world, at least what I was reading in the ancient world, they were less concerned about the precise time because they were just watching the sun. They were just living out their day, uh, you know, based on the weather, basically. And so if that's true, if people were less obsessed with what time it is by every minute in the ancient world, then it stands out even more that Jesus did talk so much about the hour being now. That mm-hmm. he was, and maybe it's just his experience, right? He, he exists outside of time, yet here he is on earth in the flesh, going through every day, going through every minute. That time experience must have been interesting for him. Oh, wow, this is what it's like to live here in the timeline of history. I don't know. I'm just rambling, but you asked me what I think about with, with these phrases, and that's what came to my mind. Well, sort of what, uh, as you were speaking, what came to my mind is that Jesus has full access to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And the times where he says, my time has not yet come, uh, moving into the movement to the, 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 the return to Jerusalem for the third time, uh, and he says, and he says in another place, this, this same thing of the time has uh, come. I, I think of the Jesus uh, um, described in, in Luke, where he's with all of the, the learned people, and they're fascinated with him because he's a teenager, if that, and he's speaking as if he has a full knowledge of, of the Jewish scripture. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Psalms, etc. I mean, he was talking to all of these intellectuals, these trained people, these these priests, and they were amazed by him. And I think that to me, if I were to use one word uh, to describe what is going on here in terms of this knowledge of things to come, it is mission. Hmm. Jesus was never, never walked away from the mission he's on. Uh, And he didn't see the mission as the uh, turning water into wine. He didn't see that as a mission. He saw that as something that, I mean, he was obedient to his mother, uh, but that was not why he was here because that could be easily misinterpreted, but he had the power to do it. And so when he's moving through all of these episodes in the four gospels, He's moving very intentionally towards the cross and the release of the Holy Spirit after the resurrection and ascension uh, to you and to me and to anybody else who turns to God and says, I believe. Mm. 